Amen. Amen. Thank you, choir. I think the loss of an hour of sleep somehow had the opposite effect on all those kids that were sitting out here. <laughs> somehow that gave them more energy. <laughs> I wish that happened to me. <laughs> um, uh, wow. Uh, we might need to have a special prayer for the um, children's church leaders today. <laughs> oh, uh, Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come to this time in our service where we do open up uh, your word. Father, it is it is incredible that you have revealed yourself to us through a, a written word that has lasted and will last. Father, um, when, when people have tried to um, destroy your word, have tried to get rid of your word, Father, uh, your word has proven that it is not just uh, any old book, uh, Father, but it, it is alive and that it is your word, and because it is your word, it will always be around, it will remain, it will uh, remain constant, uh, Father, and it will always do what your word uh, does, convict our hearts and draw us into uh, relationship with you, and draw us closer to you, deepen our love for you as we read the truths that it contains, Father. And so we just come to this time in our service with thankful hearts, uh, Father, but also with a request, Father, that you would open our hearts, Father, that you would give us teachable spirits, uh, Father, that we would not be bored by the beauty of the gospel, but as people who've been redeemed by the gospel, that we would, um, Father, that with with deep passion in our hearts, Father, that we would stand in awe once again, Father, at the way that you have loved us, Father, that you have given us a free gift of salvation, Father, that we would stand in awe once again of who you are and what you've done in our lives, Father, and we, we learn about these things through your word. And so, Father, help us to come to this time with, with, with hearts that are full of thanksgiving, but at the same time, hearts that are yearning to grow in our knowledge of you, Father, so that we can apply these truths to our daily lives, living out what your word says. Father, thank you for your word. Father, would you speak to our hearts during this time? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to open up to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 7 through 9. Uh, just three verses, 7 through 9 of chapter 3 in the book of Galatians. Let me ask you a question. If you can do two things at once, flip in your Bible and answer a question at the same time. Um, are you blessed? Are you blessed? Yeah, we would say yes. We would say yes. Are there, are there difficulties in our lives? Yeah. Are there, 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 there things that happen that we maybe weren't expecting and maybe, if we're honest, would rather not happen? Yeah. Uh, we, we would say that, but we would say that we're blessed. And, and I'm thankful that often we do talk about the many blessings that we have in, 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 our, in our lives. It's not something that is a foreign concept to us. We are people who we're thankful. We're thankful for the many blessings that God has given us. And, uh, and I, I know that we could sit here and for hours upon hours, we could list out the blessings that God has given us. 
Uh, you, you had mentioned things like family, things like friends, things like a roof over your head, and, and things like food on the table. And that's just the, that's just the start of the many blessings that God has given us. I, I, I know for, for me, if I were to begin to list blessings in my life, one of the things that I would be have right at the top of the list would be my family, would be my wife. I, I'm so thankful for my wife. She is such a blessing in my life. And I would tell people, and I would, I will say, she's she's one of the greatest blessings that God has given me. And I would say the same thing about my children: that they are some of the greatest blessings that God has given me. But I want to tell you something. I'm being very honest with you. Okay, this isn't just preacher talk. This is this is for real. This is for real. My wife, as much as I love her, she's in the room. Okay, she's sitting here. If you don't know that, she's sitting right here. She is not. The greatest blessing that God has given me. She's not. And my kids, as much as I love them, as, as, as passionately as I, I love them and care for them, I would do anything for them. They are not the greatest blessing that God has given me. And by the way, if my wife was up here, she would say the same thing about me. Okay? I know that she would say that. Because here's what we believe. That the greatest blessing that God could ever give to anyone and that he has given is that we as sinners would be able to stand before him one day and he look at us and say, I'm going to count you righteous and let you into my presence for all of eternity. That is the greatest blessing in all of life, hands down. All other blessings in our lives Pale in comparison to that blessing, the blessing of salvation, what Paul calls in the book of Galatians, justification, being justified before God for God, the righteous one to count me a sinner righteous, even though I am not. That is the greatest blessing in all of life. And I am so thankful that I am a recipient of that blessing. And I know that many, even probably most of you, maybe all of you in this room are recipients of that blessing. But if you're not, if you're not a recipient of that blessing, I want you to know that you can be, that you can be. As we look at these three short verses in the book of Galatians, I want us to learn some things about the gospel blessing. And who this gospel blessing is for and how it can be applied to our lives, how we can receive it. God's blessing of justification is given to everyone from every nation who has faith in Jesus. God's blessing, God's gospel blessing, good news blessing of justification is given to everyone from every nation who has faith in Jesus. Will you read along with me? Follow along in your copy of God's Word. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. Know then, Paul writes, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of of faith. Let's jump right in. The first of four truths that I want us to see in this passage is about the gospel blessing is this. The gospel blessing is for the true sons of Abraham. 
The gospel blessing is for the true sons of Abraham. If you're, if you're writing this in your notes, if you're writing this down, you might want to put the word TRUE in all caps. I'll go ahead and put that in all caps or maybe circle it or underline it. The gospel blessing is for the true sons of Abraham. Now, we've got to remind ourselves of why Paul is writing this letter. He's writing this letter because, what, false teachers have come in, and they're Judaizers. We talked about this Wednesday night, if you were here, they're Judaizers. They are trying to say, or they are saying, trying to get the churches to believe that if they really want to be justified before God, if they really wanted to be counted righteous, they really want an eternal relationship with God, then they need to add to believing in Jesus good works, adherence to the Old Testament law. They need to be Jews. That's what the false teachers are saying. If you really want to be saved, you need to believe in Jesus and you need to become a Jew. And you need to start following all the Jewish laws found in the scriptures. That's what the false teachers were saying. And so Paul, writing this, is saying, no, that's not the case. And in chapters 3 and 4, he gives a scriptural argument for why salvation is through faith alone and not through works. That salvation is through faith alone and not through works. And so in this passage, he's going to use what he calls scripture. And he already began this. If you back up to verse six, where we ended last week, we see Paul quoting the Old Testament where he said, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse six kind of goes with verses one through five and it goes with verses seven through nine. It, it, it acts it acts as a as a help in both passages. And so so we last week, but I kind of want to start there and remind us what he just, what Paul just said. He just said that Abraham was counted righteous before God. He was justified that gospel blessing. He was justified through his faith. And the false teachers would have pointed to Abraham, and they would have said that he was justified by his works. That he was a good man. That he did things that pleased God, and that's why he was justified. Paul goes back to Genesis chapter 15 and quotes the Bible, quotes Scripture, and says, no, Abraham was justified before God through his faith. So then he jumps right from that into verse 7 and says, no then, no then, you need to know this, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Now, it is a good thing to be a son of Abraham. That is a good thing. Abraham, he was a man of faith. He was a man of God. And it's a good thing to be known as and to really be a son of Abraham. The false teachers knew this. The Judaizers knew this. And so what they would have been doing was going into these churches saying, you want to be a son of Abraham, right? I mean, he's the father of God's people. God poured these blessings out upon him. You want to, you want to have him as your father, right? Well, of course you do. Well, if you want to have Abraham as your father, then you need to obey all the Old Testament laws. You need to basically become a Jew if you want Abraham to be your father. And Paul is saying, absolutely not. Yes, we want Abraham to be our father, but it's not through works of the law that we have Abraham as our father. But it is through faith in Jesus. It is faith. Just as Abraham was counted righteous before God through faith, so we can be counted righteous before God through faith. And there is no other way to be counted righteous before God. And so it is the true sons of Abraham. See, 
here's what the Jews thought. This is what the false teachers would have been saying. We are the true sons of Abraham because Abraham is in our family tree. That's what they would have, that's what they, they placed their faith in was the fact that they were blood descendants of Abraham. And in fact, Jesus confronts this very line of reasoning in John chapter 8. And he's talking to some, to some folks, and, and they are saying, hey, guess what, Jesus? Abraham is our father. You can't really tell us anything. We have Abraham as our father. And Jesus turns it around. These are Jews talking. And Jesus turns it around on them in John chapter 8, um, verse number 44. And he says, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's to die. Can you imagine being there in John chapter 8 when the Jew, some of these Jews looked at Jesus and said, we have Abraham as our father, and so, but you can't tell us anything. And Jesus says, oh, I know who your father is. He's the devil. <laughs> you know how bad that would have made them? But here's what they were missing. True sons of Abraham are sons through faith. They were banking on their heritage as getting them in right standing with God. And Jesus would have none of it. It's not who your parents are and your grandparents are or your great-grandparents are that gets you a right standing with God. It is through faith. Even John the Baptist uh, talked about this. He, he talked about, um, about the need for people to place their faith in Jesus. And he said, he said, you say that Abraham is your father. I'll tell you what, God can raise up children of Abraham from these stones if he wants to. That's what John the Baptist told people. In other words, he's saying, stop worrying so much about your family tree. The family of God is a faith family. It is a faith family. And so Paul goes back to Abraham and says, Abraham was counted righteous before God by faith. Therefore, it is through faith that anyone is counted righteous before God. He's saying conversion to Judaism means nothing. It means nothing. Neither cutting yourself through circumcision, nor changing your diet, nor observing certain feast days, none of those things changes our heart, which is where the problem lies. We are sinners by nature. Our hearts are corrupted with sin. And no amount of good works, no amount of adherence to the Old Testament law, no attempt at becoming a Jew is going to rescue us from ourselves. We need someone to rescue us. And that someone is Jesus. And we receive that gospel blessing through faith in him. Through faith in him. Paul doesn't just make this claim without any proof, though. Just as he's already done, he's going to continue to do, he's going to root this, this, this uh, point, this truth, this doctrine in the Scripture. In Scripture. So our second truth we see about gospel blessing is this. The gospel blessing is rooted in God's word. We need to be a true son of Abraham. And we're a true son of Abraham through faith. Not by becoming a Jew. Through faith. Just as Abraham was counted righteous. But then he roots this gospel blessing in God's word. If you were to scan through the rest of chapter 3 and into chapter 4 you would see lots and lots of quotes of the Old 
Testament. Now, Paul would not have called the Old Testament the Old Testament. He doesn't call it the Old Testament here. In verse 8, he doesn't say in the Old Testament. He says in the Scripture. Why? It wasn't a New Testament at this time. It was being written. Galatians, proof in point. Paul is actively writing the New Testament at this time. And so, so Paul refers to the Scripture, God's Word. He refers back to the Old Testament. Maybe a, a side note here is that Paul saying that we're not justified by the works of the law found in the Old Testament. He's not throwing out the Old Testament. In fact, he uses the Old Testament to validate his point. Now, in chapter, um, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and kind of into 6, but 6 starts to make a transition. If we remember back to last week, Paul reminded the Galatians of how they were saved. Remember, he said, how, how did you receive the spirit in the first place? Was it by works of the law or was it by faith? How, how did the gospel come to you when I came to you? I preached Christ and I preached him crucified. He was publicly portrayed as crucified to you. And, and, and you received the spirit. God worked miracles among you, not by works of the law, but by hearing with faith. He went back to their experience of salvation. Now, we've got to be careful with that. Because experience doesn't determine what is true. Okay, our experience doesn't determine what is truth. The way that we know what truth is, is going back to God's word. Our experience only validates what is true as long as it aligns with God's word. Paul, in chapter three, verse one through five, he is able to remind the Galatians of their experience and say, hey, that's proof of the truth. Because that experience lined up with God's word. In other words, our experience is not the filter. God's word is the filter. We filter our experience through God's word. And if it lines up with God's word, then it was something that was true. And so Paul briefly, at the beginning of chapter 3, mentions their salvation experience. But then he launches in to this argument based on scripture. Based on God's word. When Scripture speaks, God speaks. Notice in verse 8, he does something interesting with the word Scripture. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Notice what the Scripture is doing. Two things. The Scripture is foreseeing and the Scripture is preaching. That's kind of odd. We would think that a person could foresee and a person could preach or maybe even more so that God could foresee and that God could preach. But the scripture, I mean, how does this book, this book right here, foresee, like know what's coming, see into the future, a book, just a book. It's an inanimate object. It's not, it's not alive in the sense that I'm alive and breathing and I have a mind and, and knowledge and, and in an even a greater sense that God is alive and can see into the future. Here's what Paul is doing. He's making an incredible claim about the Bible, about Scripture. He is equating Scripture with God. Who is doing the foreseeing and the preaching? God is. And yet this book... The scripture is so connected with God. He's going to say it in a letter to Timothy that it is God's words breathed out of his mouth that that Paul is able to just interchange God and the word scripture. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, 
preach the gospel beforehand. Um, here's what Paul is doing. He is making an incredible claim that this book is the very word of God. That when this book speaks, God is speaking. This is not just an interpretation of what God says. This is what God has said. And the gospel blessing is rooted in this truth found in his word. Two things that we, two kind of practical applications that we can draw from that before we move on to the third truth. The first one is this. Because the gospel blessing of justification through faith in Christ is the center of what God was doing even during the Old Testament. Paul's quoting, he's going to quote the Old Testament in the end of, chapter, in the end of verse 8. Because the gospel blessing is the center of what God was doing even in the life of Abraham, then we must interpret the Old Testament scriptures in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't just study the Old Testament and learn some do's and don'ts and say, all right, now I'm ready to get to Jesus. Let's flip to the book of Matthew. Jesus is central to the whole Old Testament. Paul is saying, listen, I'm about to give you a whole long list of Old Testament quotations. We're only going to see one of them today in verse 8. In the coming weeks, we'll see a lot more. He's going to say, and it's all about Jesus. The same gospel that Paul is went and preached to the Galatians and is writing about to the Galatians is the exact same gospel, Paul says, that was preached to Abraham. That's incredible. That means that when we open up the Bible, even in Genesis or Exodus or Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy or you go through the, all of those books of the Old Testament, we need to be thinking about Jesus when we read the Old Testament. He says, and the scripture, that's the Old Testament, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel. The scripture, the Old Testament is preaching the gospel. When we open up to the law, when we open up to the prophets, when we open up to those historical sections where we're learning about the kings of Israel and their, their successes and their many failures, it all ought to be driving us to the gospel of Jesus. This blessing of justification through faith in Jesus Christ. I said there was two implications we could, we could draw from this weight that Paul places on Scripture. One is how we interpret the Old Testament. The other is this. Because the gospel blessing is rooted in God's Word, it's rooted in Scripture, then when we plead with other people to receive this gospel blessing through faith we need to be using scripture we need to be using god's word as we share this gospel to others we keep talking about this good news this gospel blessing what is this good news what is this gospel blessing we see it right there in the middle of, of verse 8 and the scripture foreseeing that god would justify the gentiles through Faith. That is the good news of Scripture. All of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. God didn't change His plan of salvation. It's always been the same. It's always been through faith for all who will believe. That is the good news of the gospel that Paul is talking about that was preached to Abraham. Now, what did God say to Abraham? What does the Scripture say? 
in you shall all the nations be blessed. He takes the Galatians back to Genesis chapter 12. Actually, several places in the Old Testament in Genesis, we find this promise made to Abraham. In you shall all the nations be blessed. What an incredible promise to give to a man. And if you were here Sunday night, we talked about how incredible that promise is because what was true about Abraham at this point? He didn't have any kids. And he was getting on up there in age. And his wife was barren. She wasn't. She had never been able to have kids. And so he says, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Here's what Abraham did. He believed God. He believed that God was going to bless all the nations through him. The third truth is this. The gospel blessing is not limited by ethnicity. The gospel blessing is not limited by ethnicity. This is an amazing act of faith by Abraham to believe that God would somehow bless all of the nations through him, through him. Notice, justify the Gentiles in verse eight. All the nations be blessed there in verse eight, quoting Genesis. All the nations Because the gospel blessing is justification through faith, not through adherence to the Jewish law, which wasn't even in place when God called Abraham, by the way. God was able to promise to bless all the nations through him. Paul bases the gospel blessing given to Abraham on the truth that God justifies through faith and not through works. This is why it's good news to all the nations. I don't go to the nations and say, you want to be you want to be right with God? Well, you better be descended from Abraham. Oh, wait, you're not. Yes, you're out. That's not good news. That's not good. Oh, you want to you want to you want to be a recipient of the gospel blessing? Well, then. All the Old Testament law, you better start living by it and don't miss a beat or God's going to not count you righteous. That's not good news. That's condemning news. That's bad news. But the good news is for all the nations. Why? Because it is through faith. It's a free gift of salvation. It doesn't matter who my parents are. It doesn't matter who my grandparents are. It doesn't matter if I'm connected through, through, through a genealogy of being descended from Abraham. It doesn't matter if I'm really, really, really good at following all the Jewish laws. No. The gospel that was preached to Abraham, all right, thousands of years Before Jesus came, the good news that all the nations would be blessed through him. Here's what that tells us. Here's what that tells us. That God has always had a plan of salvation. And it's always been through faith. And it's always centered on his son, Jesus Christ. In you, through a descendant of you, I am going to bring the greatest blessing that anyone could ever have to all the nations. I will allow people to stand before me. And I will count them righteous. And Abraham, it will be through you. We know that Jesus is a descendant of Abraham in him. Notice, this is the gospel being preached to Abraham. I want to, I want to take you on a, just a quick little journey through the Old Testament. And I want to show you that this has always been God's plan of salvation. Sometimes when we think about the Old Testament, we think, all right, in the Old Testament, the people of God were Israel. But then when we get to the New Testament, all of a sudden, God starts loving all the nations. God has always loved all the nations. Yes, the people of Israel were his chosen people in the Old Testament time period. 
but that was only so that he could send a Messiah through them to rescue all the nations. Even in the Old Testament, we find, we find glimmers and, and, and these, these little hints that God is working out a plan of redemption that is worldwide. That's not based on your ethnicity. We find that in Genesis, the quote that we just, we just read, where he says that he's going to bless all the nations through Abraham. If we go to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter uh, uh, 8, we find this about the temple. We think about the, the tabernacle or the temple. Think about being a Jewish temple. It was a Jewish temple. It's where the Jews went to worship. But I want you to notice Solomon's prayer of dedication when the temple was built. Solomon, a king of Israel, he prayed this. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not your people Israel comes from a far country for your name's sake, for they shall hear of your great name. This is, this is missions, right? For they shall hear of your great name and your mighty hand and of your outstretched arm when he comes and prays towards this house here in heaven, your dwelling place, and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. You know what one of the purposes of the temple was? So that all the nations could know who God is and so that they could become worshipers of the one true God. We see this reflected in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 96, the psalmist writes, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Where does he want us to declare the salvation? Verse 3, Psalm chapter 96, verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Here's what the psalmist is saying. Preach the gospel to the nations. The glory of God is so great that he is worthy to be worshipped. He is worthy to be believed in. He is worthy of the faith of people from every nation. Psalm chapter 98, we find these words. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. God loves the nations. He cares about the nations. The gospel is for all the nations. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. That's too small a thing just to save Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Jesus coming to this earth, to the Jews, him being a Jew. He showed that he was coming also for the Gentiles. One of my favorite, uh, favorite passages from the life of Jesus. There's a Canaanite woman. Uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 22, it says, And behold, a Canaanite woman. You know who the Canaanites were? They were the enemies of God's people. This is a, this is a leftover from the people that the nation of Israel drove out. She's a Canaanite. She's supposed to be hated. She's a Canaanite from that region, comes to Jesus, and she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. And you know how that passage ends? Not with Jesus saying, I'm sorry, you're a Canaanite. No. You know how that passage ends? Jesus says, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. Faith. Faith is the key. 
all the nations can come to saving knowledge of God through faith in Jesus. This is the gospel that was preached beforehand. Before Jesus ever came, the gospel was being proclaimed, and you shall all the nations be blessed. How is that the same gospel? I mean, when you think about, if I were to ask you this question, if I were to say, what is the gospel? What is the good news? Hopefully, hopefully, you would say, well, the gospel is the good news that Jesus came, and he died for my sins, and that by believing in him, I can be forgiven and have life forever. Through him. Say, well, yeah, that sounds like the gospel. Zach. That, sound, that sounds just like, what if, what if you said, hey, Zach, what's the gospel? And I said, in you shall all the nations be blessed. What? That didn't really sound like the gospel, right? But it's foreseeing what was coming. You see, Abraham, in a sense, had the same faith that you and I have. Abraham was believing in a coming Messiah. And you and I are believing in a Messiah who has already come. It's one and the same. It is faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. And all the nations get to be a part of that. So here's some application. You ready? Because the gospel blessing is not limited by ethnicity, neither is the gospel mission. Because the gospel blessing is not limited by ethnicity, neither is the gospel mission. Listen, listen. My favorite phrases in the Bible, this Greek phrase is, is pantata ethne. Pantata ethne. That means all the nations. And we see that phrase all throughout the Old Testament. We see that phrase all throughout the New Testament. It's the phrase that Paul uses here. And you shall pantata ethne. All the nations be blessed. But that means that you and I need to go to the pantata ethne. To all the nations. And when we go, when we go, we can go with confidence, knowing that he loved them and loves us and loves everyone with the same kind of love, a sacrificial love, where he would sacrifice his own son for their salvation. I'm so glad that he justifies the Gentiles through faith. You know why? Because I'm a Gentile. I am a Gentile. Sometimes when we think about the Pantata Ethne, the nations, we think about all the nations besides America. But that's not that's not accurate. When he says Pantata Ethne, when he says the nations, he's talking about all the nations besides Israel. And so if it weren't for this truth that God loves the nations, you and I would be excluded from the gospel blessing. But because it's for all the nations, you in this room, you can be a recipient. The false teachers, really though. They didn't have a problem with the Gentiles being justified. The Gentile, the Galatian churches were made up of Gentiles. And they were trying to help them be justified, right? They didn't really, these particular Judaizers, they didn't have a problem with the Gentiles having a relationship with God. What they had a problem with was that they could be justified through faith alone. So they couldn't get over the fact, they couldn't get over the fact that adherence to the Old Testament law added nothing to salvation. And so he finishes this short little passage in verse 9 by really driving home this point. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. How many times can Paul put faith into three little short verses? He can can pack them in there. That's his point. 
Our fourth truth is this. The gospel blessing is limited to the people of faith. While it's not limited by ethnicity, it is limited to the people of faith. Salvation is not universal in its application. It is universal in the sense that anyone from any nation can come to know God as their, as, as their father through faith in Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean that every person from every nation is automatically saved. The condition is faith. The condition is faith. The gospel blessing is limited to the people of faith. So then, so then, Paul writes, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let me give you this good news. This is, this is the good news, the gospel blessing. It's not an ethnic family that God is forming. It's not a language family. It's not a skin color family. It's not a financial family where you got to make a certain amount of money. It's not an intelligence family where you got to be at a certain level of intelligence. It's none of those. It is a faith family. And so none of those things exclude anyone from being a recipient of the gospel blessing. You're here today and you say, I'm just not smart enough. I just don't know the Bible well enough for, for God to love me. Listen, listen. You can be a recipient of the gospel blessing. It's not, it's not how smart you are, how much of the Bible you've read. If you know that you are a sinner and that Jesus has come and paid the price for your sin and you are willing to submit your life to him, to believe by faith in Him, you can be saved. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your language is. It doesn't matter what other barriers we set up. Gospel blessing is only limited by faith. So do you want to be a recipient? Do you want to be a recipient of the gospel blessing? Have faith. Have faith. Faith in who? Faith in what? Faith in the one that Abraham was looking forward to. <laughs> now we look back at Jesus Christ, the one who has died for our sins, who took your punishment and in exchange gives you his righteousness so that one day you can stand before God and he will see the righteousness of Jesus in you. Count you justified forever and ever. The gospel blessing. Are you a recipient of it? Are you a recipient of it? There's nothing standing in the way except will you believe? Will you trust that what Jesus has done is enough? I'm so thankful for the gospel blessing. And I'm so thankful that it's for all the nations. It should drive us to want to go to the nations with our time, with our money, with our energy, with our resources, should drive us to want to go across the street and across the world to share the gospel and to tell people, guess what? Jesus died for your sins. Will you believe? Will you believe? Will you have faith in him? That is what is required. What a gospel. What a good news. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer. Father, would you just remind us of the beauty of the gospel? Father, that it wasn't an afterthought. Father, it was your plan from the beginning. And that even as you were calling Abraham, who was the father of the Jews, Father, you were calling him in such a way that the requirement was faith, not his good works. 
Father, and that set a precedent that you would receive people into your family, not based on how good they were, but based on whether or not they had faith in you. And Father, Abraham was looking to forward ahead to the coming of a Messiah. But Father, now we know that that Messiah has come. And so we look back to the cross. We look back to what Jesus has done. Father, through faith in Him, we receive this gospel blessing of justification for all of eternity. Father, if there's someone here today who has never received this gospel blessing, Father, I pray. I pray that today they would place their faith in Jesus. That they would stop trying to be good enough to earn your love, but that they would see that you have loved them in spite of themselves. Father, for those of us who have received this gospel blessing, Father, I pray that this passage would once again awaken our hearts to the, to the grace that you have shown us that we don't deserve, but also that it would put a passion in our hearts and a burden on us to go and share this good news with the nations, Father, because it is who the gospel is for, all the peoples of the world. Father, we thank you that you are such a great God, that you are that powerful, that you could provide salvation for so many different kinds of people across this globe. Father, we worship you for that. In Jesus' name we pray.